Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome. It's DJ Payne here and welcome to episode two of Thrive Deeper, the podcast, the show where we take you deeper into the readings that we're doing in the Thrive Reading Guide. Now, this week's discussion with Matt Jacoby is going deeper into the book of Ezekiel. We talk about things like the recognition formula. Have you ever heard of that one? The recognition formula. What is it? What does it mean? And also a little bit about the name of God. Who is he? And what does that mean to us? One of my favorite parts of this conversation is when we got into the nitty gritty of how God actually spoke and gave visions to Ezekiel and how Ezekiel gave them to us and how we have them today. I really enjoyed it. and I know you will too. So without further ado, after the break, join me and Matt having a discussion and you'll enjoy how Matt realizes how this podcast is going to continue and how the opening will work. (laughs) It's a little bit behind the scenes, but I know you'll enjoy it. All right, I'll talk to you after the conversation. In chapter 33, Ezekiel receives the announcement, Jerusalem's fallen. And then it's like, chink, straight away, his his whole tone changes to now that there's hope, 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 hope. Right up to that point, it's just so, so. I think it's worth stating that that up to chapter up to chapter thirty three, it's it's oracles of, of judgment is convicting these people. But yeah. as soon as as soon as the judgment is executed on uh, on the nation okay. and the city is destroyed, uh, that's about the bottom of the barrel. Okay, good. That's about as bad as they can imagine it getting. Yeah. yeah, and, and then, then and then it's and then it's all about building them okay, up. Okay, great. Hope that's in a good overall. That's a good overall theme. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I've already started the recording going. Well, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, we're already. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, we're already recording. We're recording. We don't do the intros like we used to. We do, the intros are all different now. So it just sort of gradually, the conversation between you and me just gradually fades in. Okay. All right. So <laughs> immediately, immediately I can see the hat go on for you. As you've just come back from Europe. Yeah. How long have you been back for? Uh, been back for a week and a half, I think. Yeah. Do you Getting, feel? Do you feel like it was a dream, or do you feel like you've feel, always? It always, always been... feels like a dream, yeah. <laughs> uh, particularly when it's in another country. And uh, but. Um, but it's it's good to be back, and it's good to be getting back into things. Actually, I had this great moment uh, in the aeroplane where I was flying. Uh, I was reading Ezekiel, you know, mm. and I'm in the. I'm really getting into it. Great. And and it's just speaking to my heart, you know. And I'm imagining, you know, Ezekiel there with the exiles in Babylon, you know, and mm. and the situation there in Babylon. And and I look at the flight path, you know, on the plane. And I think, hang on a minute. And I pu- pulled up the 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 window thing. Mm. I looked out to perfectly clear day, we're flying over old Babylon. Like we're literally flying over like Baghdad because wow. old Babylon now is is just outside of Baghdad. Wow. And I could see the river and everything. 
And I'm like, I'm reading this and I'm, we're flying over. It was an amazing moment of convergence. It was beautiful. <laughs> were you like, the, I've got God's eye view of what yeah, was yeah, going right. on? Yeah, yeah, This is fantastic. <laughs> Which is great because, you know, because, I mean, Ezekiel is God's eye view on, yeah. on you know, what was going on. Oh, it was just a classic moment. That is fantastic. <laughs> so last, last in episode one, kicking off Thrive Deeper, we covered, you know, we introduced Ezekiel. Mm. We introduced all the circumstances <clears throat> there. Yeah. So go back and have a listen to that one if you haven't had a listen. But now we're we're sort of, you know, cruising into Ezekiel chapter five. And for this first sort of not really half, but the first main part of the yeah. book, it's all very doom and gloom. Yeah. Um right up until chapter thirty-three, um, we are pre five eighty six BC. Now the significance of that is that in five eighty six BC, that's like the last stroke of judgment. Yeah. When the city is destroyed, Dang. you know, there's there's that rebellion uh under Zedekiah and and uh Nebuchadnezzar comes back, lays siege to the city. I mean it's a terrible, terrible siege. And it, and it's not like uh, a siege not in our minds, in our like movie way of thinking of modern times, mm. it's not a siege that happens in a week. No, no, it's this, not a siege this that was, happens this in a, a month. couple of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, and the people are starved within and finally they break through and it's just an absolute bloodbath because after a siege uh, you know, siege is going to make an army angry because they're they've got a camp there. For- and and the reason why it went that long is because yeah. the people in they Israel, the Jewish people, were holding out. They yeah, were they fighting held back. Out the, the people of Judah, yeah. So um, so finally they break through, and it's a, it's an absolute bloodbath. Now the announcement comes to Ezekiel. We read about this in in Ezekiel chapter thirty three, mm. and the interesting thing is, from that moment the tone changes. Up to that moment. Mm. He's trying to get the people to own where they're at and what they've done and to mm. take responsibility. Mm. Um, but as soon as as soon as the, that last stroke of judgment occurs, which is about the bottom of the barrel, that is mm. the that is the bottom out point mm. for for this nation because they never would have imagined that such a thing mm. could ever happen. Mm. That the temple in this city, this so called invulnerable city, is that could the ba- be destroyed? Would you would you call that the 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 darkest day? Yeah, in the in the Old Testament, really, yeah, in the Old it is. Testament yeah. history. Um, uh, certainly, after after sort of Gen- uh, Genesis chapter twelve, mm. you know, when the real sort of story of the Bible um, begins at close quarters, mm. um, it is the darkest day, and and it's it's the bottom out point where where everything is lost, mm. and from that moment the tone changes. It's remarkable in Ezekiel. The tone changes, and it's. Then oracles of hope and restoration and looking towards the future. Mm. So he stripped them back to get them back to one key realization, really. Mm. And, and right up to, right up to that point, uh, you know, it's quite dark. It's, he's wanting them to face and take responsibility for their rebellion. Um, and that, that happens right up to, up to chapter 33. So that's, that's where we are. And really the one thing. That he's trying to get them back to, and I think this is the first um, big theme. I think that unites the whole book of Ezekiel. Uh, that's worth saying something about. The one thing that God is prepared to sacrifice everything for, like everything else, can be lost. We could just uh, city destroyed, temple destroyed, people brought into exile. We think. What what's left, right? Mm, what, he's mm. stripping things back. Mm. Uh, I mean, what what could possibly warrant mm. this kind of disaster and tragedy? 
Well, this is where you get this repeated thing. There is one thing that God wants these people to realize, and it is simply, and I, this is painfully simple, but it's simple the fa- simply the fact that he is God. Mm. It's to bring them back to this simple realization. Now, throughout the book of Ezekiel, um, more times than I have been able to count, uh, there is this repeated statement. It's known as the recognition formula. Mm. It simply says, uh, and then they will know that I am the Lord. Hmm. Um, and it says this, it's throughout every, everything that God does, interestingly, whether acts of judgment or acts of restoration, uh, the rationale that's given for that is, and then they will know that I am God. Now, that's not just a, let's break that down a little bit. That, yeah. that, what did you call it? The restoration? The, the, no, the recognition formula. Recognition formula. Yeah. Recognition formula. Let's break that down. It's not just a head knowledge, no, of because they've they yeah. they're fighting and keeping, you know, the <clears throat> temple going and everything yeah. like that in the name of God yeah. and saying that we are God's people and everything like that. What does this mean? What is this? What is God calling them to yeah. actually do? Um, to know that God is God is essentially the same thing as letting God be God. I mean, letting sounds, it's, you know, that sounds silly to say that we should let God be, but there is an element in that we, we have a choice here, uh, as to whether we will acknowledge God as God or not. So, um, it's, it's a knowledge, uh, it's a much more experiential knowledge. It's some, it's a, it's a matter not of just of the head of knowing that God is God, mm. uh, in that sense, but knowing, um, in a, uh, like really acknowledging and realizing and letting God be God over mm. our over our situation. Mm. So um in a sense he's saying then you will realize then you will realize that I'm uh, that that I am God, mm. right? Mm. And it's this life-changing experiential uh realization. Now the interesting thing is is that it says that in lots of different contexts. Uh so for example, uh it's oracles of judgment. You know, I'm going to strip you down. I'm going to strip things down bare and, and I'm going to bring judgment and I'm going to, and, and the sword is going to come and it's going to, and all of these calamities. And then it says, and then you will know that I'm God. Mm. So what we picture there is God stripping everything back so that all that they have actually is him. Mm. Um, and you know, that there's a saying that I, I, uh, have often used at church, you know, that, Sometimes you don't know that God is all that you need until God is all that you have. Yeah. And that's an example of realizing that God is God because God actually is ultimately all that we need. And mm. sometimes we don't realize that until God is all that we have. Mm. Um, and, and then you get the other context where, um, uh, there are these oracles about the nations and all of these oracles of judgment against the nations mm. where he, he's going to take Egypt and he's going to tear them down. You know, he's going to cause them to fall from their high position. And then it even says of them, and then they will know that I am God. Wow. So it's not just Israel that God's concerned about. Yeah. It's not just Israel. He wants all of the nations to know that he is God and he is going to um, pull them down from their their uh godlike position and what is evident in the oracles of the nation of the nations the 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 sort of common charge particularly when it comes to Tyre and Egypt and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment is that he 
he blames them for claiming to be like God. Yeah. And he's yeah. going to rip them down. And then he says, and then you will know that I am God. In other words, and not you. So there can be a sense of both judgment yeah. and peace about it. Yeah, that's right. So, so whether through whether through God's kindness or whether through acts of judgment, mm. uh, the goal, the rationale throughout the book of Ezekiel is then, and then you will know that I'm God. So, mm. um, actually, it shows that God does things not just to get His own back, or mm. no, it's so that they will know the most important fact in the universe is that. You know, that we acknowledge God as God. You know, that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, because he embodies the Godship of okay. God, you know, the deity and the, and the kingship uh, of God. So, um, so this is interesting because, um, it also makes sense of another theme that comes out where it's about God's name. Yeah. About God's name. Okay. Um, and th- there, there are moments where he says, look, I'm not, all of these things that I'm going to do, I'm doing for the sake of my name. In fact, in Ezekiel 36, uh, he says, Therefore say to the Israelites, this is from verse 22, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am, uh, that I am the Lord. Um, so it sounds like, I mean, at one, at one glance, sounds like God's, you know, just concerned, like that selfishly concerned yeah, about his own reputation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but actually, it comes out of this desire of God for everyone to know who he is. Mm. Because the most important thing for human beings, the thing that determines our life is how we see God. Mm. We're, we're, how we live is, and whether we live a fruitful and full life, mm. depends mm. on how we see God and whether we know that God is God. So God wants everyone everywhere to know that he is God. And he shows himself through his people. This is the role of Israel, okay. was to... um uh, be the vehicle through which God shows himself, as it were, yes. to the rest of the world. Mm, mm. Now, this is the problem. When Israel, as the charge is often brought in the book of Ezekiel, he mm. says again and again, you have become worse than the nations around you. Yeah. And that's a big problem because they were meant to be the ones who actually reflected God to the nations. Yeah. They, they were meant to be a light to the Gentiles. You've heard but, that Like their, their very lives and the way that they conducted themselves and the blessings that they had, yeah. that God was bestowing them, that was the message. Yeah. So, so they were to embody not only... Uh, and because and sometimes we think, oh, it's just in terms of their obedience and they would exhibit God's character. Well, no, not even just that, actually. It was... God's faithfulness to his covenant promises being fulfilled among them in his blessing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that, that would, that, by which God would, uh, um, reveal himself. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that would happen. God's saying in Ezekiel 36, then when we're jumping ahead jumping here, ahead, but yeah. this, this is a theme that we also find, um, early in these earlier chapters. You know, he says, I'm going to do these good things to you, even though you don't, don't deserve. When he says it's not for your sake, he means it's not because you've been so good and I'm blessing you. Yes. That's and actually in in um in chapter 20 it says that explicitly. You know, mm. it's not this is your your acts haven't warranted mm. uh uh 
it, it's I'm, I'm not going to treat you on the basis of your acts, but on the b- basis of my faithfulness, actually, mm. because God is saying, I I am going to show myself faithful through you, one way or the other, mm. you know, and um, and it and, is, and by that you mean by judgment or by yeah, blessing. that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. because because th- there are also these warnings of judgment on them. So so really, for better or for worse, I mean, interesting that. One way or the other, they would embody the message. So, for example, in in chapter 5, verse 15, you know, God says, You will be a reproach and a taunt, a warning and an object of horror to the nations around you when I inflict punishment on you in anger and in wrath and with stinging rebuke. You know, it's, whoa, like, so they are going to... The nations are going to look at them and they are going to stand as a warning to the nations. So, whether for, for better or for worse... yeah. For Israel, for for the people of Judah at this stage we're talking about, um, they are going to embody the message of God. Now, that judgment that's very explicit right there in the verse you just read out, that was fulfilled by the Babylonians. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so in a sense, that that final destruction uh, of the city is the the end, is the fall of the curtain on on uh, these judgments. And... Uh, and even in that, God shows his faithfulness mm. to things that he said uh, would happen yeah. uh, because it vindicates the predictions of Ezekiel and Isaiah. Mm. And, uh, you know, so um, throughout this book, God is showing himself mm. to be God, mm. but not only God, to show himself to be the Lord. Now, that's the important thing, too. Okay. It's... Differentiate the two for us. What's yeah. the difference between so, God and the Lord? That's right. So when you read in your English translations, uh, mm. you, you'll read uh, the name of God, the personal name of God, the Lord. Mm. Um, now this, uh, some of it will be in all caps. It'll some be, in, will be Ita- well, actually, whenever it's in all caps, yes, it is um, the the Hebrew word underneath it is is actually just the consonants. Why, you know, it's it's. Uh, um, Yahweh, basically, yeah. mm. just in Hebrew consonants. They didn't, yeah. so we they don't know exactly how to say it yeah. because because um, they never added the the vowels. The vowels yeah. um, now, this is the personal name that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter three. Mm. Uh, I'm giving you my personal name because I'm entering into a personal relationship with this nation, mm. and I'm giving them my name, and 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 the name stands for. It's God as the covenant God, the God who has bound himself to his people and made certain promises and, and has committed himself to a plan. Mm-hmm. So um, so when uh, – now, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, some people might wonder, well, then why do we – why not put Yahweh there? Why do we put the Lord? Because mm. that's a title, not a name. Mm. Well, this actually comes from – it's a long story and I'll give you the nutshell version. Mm. But in uh, the uh, – sort of 200s um, BC, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the, mm-hmm. uh, was, was made. And um, by the, uh, the, the Greek uh, emperor at the time, it was commissioned. And so there were 70, so the story goes, 70 Jewish scribes that set about translating, making a Greek translation. Um, uh, now, the, the the abbreviation for uh, often when the it was it became known as the Septuagint, mm-hmm. and it's often abbreviate abbreviate LXX, which simply means seventy mm. sept 
seven because of these 70 elders that translated this. Now, they had these scruples about translating the name of God. You mm. know, there's scruples around uh, the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain. So they thought, well, let, we won't use it at all. Mm. And so they just put, um, uh, you know, um, they just put the Greek word kurios in there uh, to Lord. And mm. so that has carried through to um, to this day. So that even in English, most English translations to this day, we still use the word Lord. There's a great uh, video. There's a big footnote. <laughs> yeah, there's a big footnote. And, and asterisk next to that footnote, there's a great video from the Bible Project team uh, oh, about right. this very concept, right. why, why we use that word and how, it was, okay. how, 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 the, how the Jews did it. Great resource. And so we'll put a, we'll put a link somewhere where yeah. you, you, know, you can find that pretty easy. But if, if not, you know, look up the Bible Project, yeah. it's a fantastic resource. So that, that underscores this idea that God, you know, and I think we can seal off this theme because this and, and it is a major theme in Ezekiel that everything that God does is explained under the rationale that mm-hmm. they will know that I am the Lord, their God. Okay. Now, in on the ongoing part of that story, there are steps towards this darkest day. Yeah. And, and, and Ezekiel is seeing visions and experience them in different yeah. ways. One of the first big ones that happened is this. Uh, and we and we hear it quoted, and it's and it's almost become for some circles in the church a bit of a catchphrase for certain things. It's the you know the the, the glory has to part. Yeah, yeah. You know? uh, it's a tragic you know it's a tragic vision in one sense uh, because the the glory of God that we read entered the temple during the time of Solomon mm. uh, and inhabited his temple. You know, God mm. with his people. I mean, this is such a key idea. Such a key part of God's um, uh, of God's purposes, this idea to be in the midst of His people, and the temple was the symbol of that. Mm. First of all, the tabernacle, then the temple, and God inhabited, you know, His tabernacle and His temple. We get this tragic event in Ezekiel ten, where we see this vision of the of the glory of the Lord departing. Now He's actually moving east, so he's, in mm. one sense. He's not really departing his people. He's actually going to be with them in their exile. Yeah. Um, but he, but he's departing from his temple. And even there's a tragedy around that because they had profaned the holy city and the holy mm. temple to the point where God departs. But there's hope in that vision in the sense that he's, he's going to be with his people in exile. And it's actually in exile that they're going to experience uh, an amazing renewal, actually, um, largely as a result of the ministry of um, Ezekiel and, and Daniel. Read through that part of Ezekiel where he sees the, uh, you know, the glory departing. Do you do you take? I mean, it's a vision. Yeah. Is that do, now when we read that? Do we take that as a dream, or is he seeing something reality reality in a spiritual realm that we can't see, or is he being transported there physically? What you know? Because there's so many different ways, and Ezekiel's not. He doesn't sort of give us the same pattern all the time of what he sees. Yeah. And he describes it in different ways of how. How do you, how do you how do you read yeah. it? Well, he speaks about being in the spirit mm. and being taken to, mm. uh, and it's clear from chapter eight and nine that that it is a vision that he's seeing. It isn't, um, well, or is it too phenomenal it, to even yeah, work it's, out? It's like a, it, yeah, 
uh, maybe that's too limiting. But mm. it, look, we can certainly say it is. It is a vision. Yes. Uh, and and he is taken there in some sense, and he's seeing things the way that God sees things. So there is a reality mm. within that vision uh, mm. as well. Uh, yeah, lots of questions, and, and of course. The, the, what un- underscores it as a vision as well is the fact that God is portrayed in highly symbolic terms. Mm. So he is seeing, it's a vision in that sense uh, that he's seeing things that are filtered in a way to him, in a way that is that he's able to grasp somehow. Do you, so in the way, in your comprehension, we're, we're going a little bit down the rabbit trail now, but, but uh, this is what I love about it, is do you think the filtering that he sees, this is getting really, we're yeah, getting yeah. down to scruples now. Do you think that the scrupling, the, the, the scruples, you know, the, the, the way that it, the filter that it's, that it's in, is that before it hits him or is it his mind that it's filtering? Cause he can't take it all in. It's like if you showed a primitive person something they'd never seen before or a color they hadn't seen before, they would <laughs> recognize it as something else yeah, yeah, in their okay. terms. Yeah. Um, I would say it comes to him like that. Okay. Because I would want to say that the origin of these revelations is God. Is God is the origin of these revelations. Great answer. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Great answer. Okay. Now, moving through, he sees the glory depart. Ezekiel sees the glory depart. And then we get a repeated sort of theme, and this theme is elsewhere in the Old Testament, yeah. of, uh, you know, the picture of marriage. Yeah. You know, and this one is pretty full on. Yeah. Uh, in um, Ezekiel 16, you get that uh, that allegory of, of the unfaithful wife, and you know it, it's this. It begins with uh, Israel as a child wallowing in its blood, you know, like being abandoned, mm. which is a a powerful imagery. It's a little foreign to us because in the ancient world they practiced expo they 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 would children would be cast off. Uh, so if you had a child that was um, uh, disabled in some way, or sometimes even not the gender that you wanted, mm. uh, you would take the child from its birth, from the moment of birth, and you would put it out on the mountainside mm. and, and leave it, and leave, it mm. leave it to die. Mm. And basically in Ezekiel 16, um, uh, God is using that imagery, mm. uh, imagery that they were familiar with and quite disturbing in some ways. And he's saying to Israel, this was you actually. Mm. You were that child, unwanted. Yeah, you know, in a like in a, a sort a, of spiritual sense, that that was who you were, and I came along, hmm. and I and I adopted you, like a almost. I mean, to be horrible about it, they're like a post-birth abortion, yeah, yeah, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It's funny you just reminded me when I was in, and this is you know, you say way back then, yeah. Uh, I was in, you know, I was blessed to be in the Philippines in 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 the nineties yeah. uh, on a mission trip in a jung in the jungle, and when I was there, it had only been about you know between ten to fifteen years since this particular tribe in the jungle had yeah. heard the gospel for the first time and yeah, yeah. sort of gotten civilization, yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean. And I was able to sit down, even though we didn't speak the same language, but through translators, talk to some of the elders of the church yeah. in, in that particular jungle. And and one of the elders, one of the higher elders, used to be came from the long came from the family of witch doctors. Yeah. You know, he practiced, you know, yeah. um dark spiritual mm. stuff. And he was very candid and open and honest and knew what he said. 
And one of the things that he illustrated of why he was so thankful for the gospel coming to them and the education that he received, he said, we believed that a twin was a demon. The second born was an imitation of the first. So we would take the imitation and place it in the jungle for the wild animals to eat. Oh, shivers. And it's terrible. Yeah, and that, well, that exactly yeah, what you're I mean, saying. This is what was happening flat out. Flat out. Yeah. And you were saying it so long ago. It ha- it's probably still yeah. happening today yeah. in the reaches. In the Look, re- it was common practice right into the New Testament. I mean, one of the, from the early church correspondence, yeah. uh, we know that it was actually really one of the countercultural things about the early church was the fact they didn't practice exposure of children. They didn't practice infanticide. Wow. Uh, and, and that this cause, that this meant that actually um, the populations of Christians actually were going up when the rest of the population was wow. actually decreasing. Wow! But so this is the world. Uh, this is the world that these people lived in, and this is a very powerful imagery for this time. And God's saying, "I adopted you. I picked you off the ground, mm. and and I adorned you. Like I, I I made you everything that you are. Don't you forget it. This is to me. This is such a powerful picture for, for our lives because." God makes us everything that we are, but then, you know, with all of our strengths and and we we turn that to independence. We say, by God, we'll be right from here. And we go off and we, and essentially this is what Israel did. They, they got to this point of strength and, and then it was. Yeah. We'll take it from here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll take it from And not only that, but they, you know, they, um, to, uh, part of their, Turning away from God was turning to the other, these other gods, and, yes. and so you get this theme of of adultery, which is the most common metaphor used for for idolatry. And the reason was because uh, it, it was the perfect um, sort of uh, analogy because of the marriage covenant. Marriage was seen as a as a covenant, mm. and God had made a covenant with His people, and Israel broke the marriage covenant, mm. and uh, and so the the marriage illustration has that covenant aspect, but it also has that intensely personal aspect. This isn't just a business agreement, God's saying, that you and I have. Mm. It's not like you've just broken a business agreement. You have broken my heart. Mm. You know, this is, this. it underscores the personal nature of this relationship between God and his people. And it underscores the fact that this isn't God just cranky that he didn't get his way out of some business transaction. No, this is, this is the, 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 you know the infinite creator god whose heart has been rent by the unfaithfulness of of, of his of his people mm. you know there's mixing of metaphors obviously because in reality we are god's children and yet mm. whenever to describe his relationship often uh that the marriage covenant is the is the the picture that is used because of the covenant element uh, mm. there mm. Yeah. and we get and we and that that, that echoes the the marriage covenant that is spoken about, you know, for us as the church. That's as right. Well. Yeah. So that, that yeah, that metaphor is is brought through uh, to uh, us being the bride of Christ, because again, and the importance of that, if with its root, it roots in in the Old Testament, is that it has this covenant aspect. We we, we have this covenant relationship with God through. Some powerful imagery there from the book of Ezekiel about the marriage between God and Israel and how that transfers onto us. I 
I hope you were able to hear there a few light bulb moments for myself as Matt and I were getting into it, especially about how the visions of Ezekiel worked and how God relayed that to him. I really made sense to me. I hope it made sense to you. But maybe you've got a question or you've got an idea or you've got a different interpretation. We would love to hear from you. In a moment, Benita, the wonderful voiceover lady, is going to come on and tell you how you can find us. But we're hoping that as you dig through Thrive, as you go through the daily readings, you'll be writing down your ideas, jotting them down. We would love to hear from you. Even if it's about something fantastic that you've been learning, it doesn't have to be a question. Whatever it is, please get in contact us with it through the website or the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Well, until next time, this has been DJ Payne for Thrive. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive. Thrive.